Well, I hope your Thanksgiving week was everything that you wanted it to be. I hope that you were able to and chose to spend time with your family and those that you care about. Perhaps you invited some friends into your home. I hope it was a great Thanksgiving. It was at our house. My mom and dad, my brother and his family were able to come up and it was good. It was very good to be together. Well, Jesus said these words about peace. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter, as we conclude this series that we've been in real life, facing off with the giants, looking at the giant of peace. Now, as I shared last night to a great, great room of people and many online, peace isn't one of those giants that we want to slay, like the giant that we started out with, the giant Goliath, or the giant of fear that we've talked about. Peace, though, is a giant in its own regard because we tend to have so much difficulty living in a state of peace. In fact, perhaps the most difficult command to bring our life into alignment with, do not let your heart be troubled, follows Jesus' promise of peace. Yet there is so much to be troubled about these days. Whether it's political unrest, economic unrest and uncertainty, disease, unseen viruses, relationship breakdowns, Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? You will have trouble. There will be opportunity, there will be challenges that can bring unrest in your life and mine. And in fact, right now, what I want you to do while I take a minute for those online, grab a pencil if you're watching online or grab your phone. But right here in this room, I want you to think about some of the choices that you have made over the last six or eight months that have brought unrest into your life. And those that are watching online, as I shared with you last weekend, I want to hear from you. First of all, I want to know that you're watching. Second, I want to know how this hits you and how we can help you take your next step. So my personal number is 812-595-0250, 595-0250. And I'd love to spend the next hour after service communicating with you or throughout the week. One man in the Bible, known as the man of the tombs, must have wondered if peace could ever be a reality in his life. If you're familiar with his account, great. If you aren't, that's what we're going to look at today in Mark chapter 5. This man lived in a place of unrest. This man lived in a place of isolation and fear, a place where most wondered if God would ever visit, if God would ever dwell or live there. So let's look at his story in Mark 5, beginning in verse 1. Jesus and his disciples went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is something that we picked up on last week, right? We said that whenever Jesus moves from one location to another, whether it's to go and take a rest, whether it's to go and emphasize a point of teaching to the disciples, something that they had just witnessed. He takes them someplace where they can sit down and listen and really tune in. Remember, remember that that place of rest 
Jesus anticipates that it will be interrupted. Jesus knows that his little conference with his 12 or 11 is going to get interrupted. Why? Because there is always someone in need of him. And so he is prepared for that. So here he is again, moving from one place to another. And it says that when Jesus got out of the boat, here it is, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now, I think we should have used this on October 31st. What a great weekend, right? We could have Brandon dressed up as the man in the tombs, coming out with chains hanging off of him. This man, scripture says, lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. They tried to chain him up like a dog. He had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. It's like when I go to Kentucky and they've closed the buffets. Nothing, nothing's going to keep me from a buffet. I'll drive to Tennessee if I have to. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. How many of you have heard the, the coyotes out there howling at, at night and those other animals? It, it sounds like a cry. That's what this must have sounded like. When he saw Jesus from a distance... He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. Now, this is really, really weird, right? But just hang with me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil Spirit. So who's really talking here? Is it the man or is it all of this that he's become? Because his life has been opened up to, to all of these terrible things in his life. Then Jesus asked, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Verse 11, it gets better. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. We were behind one of those trucks the other day full of pigs. Everybody blamed it on Emma, but it was just the pigs. <laughs> a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave the demons position permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs the herd about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside there's going to be a bacon shortage and the people went out to see what happened when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. 
Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Now, as elusive as the state of peace seems in our lives at any given moment, I want you to understand this weekend that peace is a gift of God. Peace is a gift of God that he intends for every one of us who accept him into our lives to live in and to live with yet. Yet you and I, every human being, makes choices. You and I make choices that either bring peace into our lives or we make choices that bring unrest into our lives, daily choices. I want you to think about that. Recently, I've been drawn back to social media. I'll confess that while I deleted my Facebook app months ago, I did keep my account open. One reason is I like to wish you a happy birthday. And those of you that are vain and put your birthday on Facebook so everybody can know about it, I get a little notification and I try to remember to give you a call or text on your birthday or your anniversary. But beyond that, because we have so many people watching online, which I'm grateful for, and I hope today to have dozens of messages from those online, I wanted to go online to see who is watching, who's fallen away, what comments did they make? How can I encourage them? And while I never post anything there, haven't for three or four years, I go to Facebook, I sign on, and I've been doing that. But here's what happens for me, is I spend a few minutes looking at our page, but then I start scrolling through the news feed. Anybody there? I, I start scrolling through the news feed. And I've got to tell you, the last couple of weeks, it got really, really aggravating. But it's like a drug. I, I keep going back to it. But I would see these beautiful, one, one, one of my friends posted that little Thanksgiving thing that everybody copies and pastes about spending time with their family. And then I read all of these attacks on this person. How could you endanger your family? This may be the last Thanksgiving you have with them because of COVID and all these crazy things. And all of a sudden, I find my blood boiling at this stuff. Opinions about the virus, opinions about school closings are being open, opinions, 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 and a lot of other worthless things that bring anything but peace. You see where I'm going with this? You know, by going to that, for me, I've invited something unwanted into my life. I've invited unrest into my life through this choice. So let me ask you, what choices are you making? Well, what did you write down? Did, do you even recognize that for you too, maybe, just maybe, social media is, is one of those things? Maybe it's choices at work. You, you, you get caught up in the rumor mill or, or you get caught up picking sides or, or you get caught up talking about how unfair the schedule is and you end up bringing unrest into your life. What you listen to or what you 
read. I mean, how many of you listen to talk radio, whether it's in the morning with the liberals or, or the conservatives in the afternoon, and it just gets you going? What about the places you visit or avoid? How many of us have brought unrest into our life by excusing ourselves from the gathering? Many. Too many. Even when making what you consider an informed choice, have you invited something unwanted into your life? Here's my point. You and I must recognize the chaos of unrest you invite will take you someplace that you don't want to go. It will take you all the way to the bottom. The chaos of unrest that you invite into your life will take you all the way to the bottom. Now, we aren't told specifically how these demons were invited into this man's life, but I want you to notice a few things that you may have read over in your scripture that give us some clues that this man had a life before the tombs. This man had a family. I can't tell you how many travelers that I have met passing through here, stopping for some gas. And we are thrilled to give somebody some gasoline, help them get on their way. Sometimes we have some food here, somebody's cooking. And so we, we invite them to sit down and have a meal with us when we're eating here. And, and then they go on their way. But every person that I get the opportunity to meet, I always ask them, where's your family? What about your family? And there's some type of unrest that has separated them from their family. Whether it's distant family or whether it's family right home. This man had a family, yet somewhere along the line, he invited this unrest into his life. But one of the things about this man is he lived in a godless community. This community that he lived in, not just the tombs, but the area around him. That's why there were pigs there. Pigs were considered unclean, so you would never find them in a Jewish community, a, a community that worshiped the Lord. So, he, so here, they, here he is living in a region where there is no God. And listen, when you ignore the God who made you, you are inviting unrest into your life. It's the worst choice that you can make. We don't know exactly how these demons entered this man's life, but those give us a couple of clues. But what we do know is that this has taken this man someplace he never dreamed of being, living on a hillside with tombs carved into it, where this man now slept and ate, was at times chained. He was not only among the dead, but he was dying a little bit more each day emotionally and spiritually until these demons, this unrest inside of him, had taken complete control. What started as one invited another and another after that, and now there were many. I am legion. Do you know how many a legion is? A legion is between three and 6,000. I can't imagine one. Well, I do, because I have those in my life, those things of unrest at times. I can't imagine having thousands of voices whispering in my ear. And what we see demonstrated by Jesus when he removes the demons from this man and places them into the pigs 
is just how far the chaos of unrest and isolation can take us, how deadly it can be for the human soul. Verse 13, the evil spirits came out, went into the pigs, the herd of about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now, how many of you remember as a child or we had a lot of cross-country runners in here last night, but maybe you've gone down to the Charlestown State Park and you've walked down that steep, steep hill. How many of you can remember running when you were a, a kid? And all of a sudden, your stride, your steps get so big and you start to get sloppy and you see the obstacle at the bottom of the hill that you want so badly to avoid, but there is nothing that's going to stop you. You even decide, I'm just going to sit down, and that turns into a roll. And you end up exactly where you didn't want to be. But it happens so quickly. The chaos of unrest is very similar. It will take you all the way to the bottom unless, unless you realize this truth. And that is beneath this thing that you've become is a heart in need of God. You see, that was the real issue for this man. Underneath the surface of all of these things that he had become, and the things that you and I have become in our state of unrest, is a heart in need of God. And if you think about it, you realize the choices or circumstances that have led us to isolation and unrest, that rob us of peace, all of these choices point us to one reality. And that is we have looked to someone or something else in our life to be God instead of the one who we should look to and look for. James writes every good and perfect gift, every, that's all inclusive. Every good and perfect gift comes from who? The governor? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just done with it. Every good and perfect gift comes from who? It comes from the Father. God's plan for us. God's plan for us, I want you to make a list of what he provides. His plan provides friendship. What a friend we have in Jesus. His plan provides community. The very church that we are a part of. You can say, all what you, say whatever you want about social media. But there is no real community. All of the things that we're commanded to be and to do together are to be done in person, not online. God's plan for us includes community. It includes protection. It includes love, courage, correction, discipline, fulfillment, purpose, identity security, salvation, restoration, resources, self-worth, image, affirmation, and in all of these things, peace. And the reality is, is we were created and designed to come only to him for these things. That's why everything else brings such unrest. The psalmist said, my soul yearns, even faints, for the presence of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now, as we shared last week, there's always a connection. 
There's always a learning opportunity between the encounters that Jesus has with his disciples and the encounters that he has with people that are in need. There's always a learning opportunity at hand. I want you to go back one chapter there in Mark chapter 4, verse 37. It's the night before encountering this man of the tombs. Jesus had loaded his disciples on a boat as he often would. They head across the lake. And verse 37 says, a storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. I love Mark's detail, right? That's how you know it's real. Jesus has got the cushion again, right? That's what he's saying. Jesus got the cushion. So the disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, now here's what I think is interesting about this. Do you all notice, isn't it funny how those who are not at peace in their life always want to share that unrest with you? They always want to drag you into their drama. They always want to drag you into their unrest whether they do it with their social media posts or whether they do it by making their situation seem so much worse than, than what it is, looking for the bad instead of the good. Misery always wants company. And the disciples are no different. They don't hesitate to bring Jesus into their misery. Here he was, he had the cushion that night. Maybe John had it the night before. I don't know. But he was resting good. And what do the disciples do? Don't you care about us? Verse 39, Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves. I want you to underline that. Jesus said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then I want you to underline what they did. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now, do you notice? Do you notice that the wind and the waves obey Jesus' command? He speaks, they stop. So here's the question, why don't you? When God speaks to you and me, why don't we stop? Why don't we settle down? Why don't we be still? Why don't we relax? You see, God couldn't say it any clearer. He said in the book of Psalms, he said, be still and know what? Know that I'm God. But you got to be still. Why? Because if we're not still, we're up doing everything. We are God. But when we are still before him, we can know that he is God. It's the same psalm that we quote, some of us have memorized, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help, ever-present help. He's always there, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth give way and the mountains fall in the sea. Yet instead of being still, what happens? Our lives fall into the sea like the mountains do. We go right with it, down that steep bank, right off the cliff. But yet even the demons do what Jesus commands. He says, come out. They came out. So why don't we take him at his word? I believe it's because we reject the truth that underneath the person we've become is a heart that is in need of God. I want you to think of every event that has brought unrest this year. 
every event that has brought unrest, does it not point you to a need in your life that you have not surrendered to God? Whether it's people marching in the streets wanting justice. Is God not the God of justice? Whether it's, whether it's us looking for someone to give us an answer to the dilemma that we face. Is the answer not found here? Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Right? Yes, you may receive something that is bigger than what you can handle on your own, but I'm with you even to the very end. So why don't we take him at his word? There's only one person and one choice that will bring true rest for your soul. And that's accepting Jesus Christ, not just as your savior of your soul, but as the Lord of your life. Lord of your life. I want you to notice how peacefully Jesus rested during the storm that raged around him. How could he sleep? Why was he at peace? Not just because he had the cushion. He was at peace because he was in complete harmony and alignment with the Father. I submit to you that he trusted and let God provide for his every need. He was living in the will of God as a man. As a man. A man. With all of the weaknesses and frailties that we have, yet he lived in complete alignment with God's will. The same will that's known to us through God's word. That we too can be in harmony with God in. And have peace even in the most trying of storms. The peace of God. The peace of God is described as the peace that passes all understanding. Now to the world, even the young believer, the peace that comes from aligning our daily life with the will of God, it doesn't make sense. How can we be at peace when democratic socialist governors point to churches as the first that need to close? How can we be at peace with that? How can we be at peace when we're having a chemo port put into our chest and we know that in three weeks, right before Christmas, we're going to receive the highest level of chemotherapy that our body can tolerate in order to try, to try to push back this. How can we be at peace when there's all this trouble all around us by understanding that God is what? He is sovereign. He is in complete control. Nothing will touch you that has not gone through, been sifted through his hands. By understanding that God, when he said, in this world you will have trouble, he finished it by saying, take heart, I have overcome the world. There's one other thought before we leave this point. You never thought a preacher would get so many subpoints out of a point, but we're only allowed three points, so you have to have subpoints. Did you notice that after Jesus calmed the wind and the waves, did you notice that even when he calmed the storm, the disciples in verse 41 of chapter 4 were now terrified? 
They went from being afraid to being terrified. But I submit not of the storm, but Jesus who had calmed the storm. Why? What's the source of your fear in allowing Jesus to calm the storm in your life? I think it's the same one that they had. For some, it's, it's the fear that you don't have the courage to obey what he wants next from you. <laughs> I remember during one of the greatest storms of my life, I, I was always taught growing up that these things were used as preparation for what's next, right? And those of you that have been in back-to-back storms, there's nothing scarier than that. To think, okay, if, if, if God will give me the strength to make it through this, what's going to happen next week? You know, I got to the point, Eileen, I'm sure you've been there, my Lord. How many people, how many dear children and loved ones have you had to temporarily say goodbye to till you see them in a few years? (laughs) And you get to that point where you say, okay, God, let it be someone else's turn. Now, we don't really mean that because we would never give up a moment with God when we look back. But sometimes we want to say that. Because there is genuine fear there that if this bad thing can happen then anything can happen. And that's terrifying. And I think it was terrifying to them. Is it the fear of the unknown? What will Jesus expect of you? Are you afraid of what obedience and complete surrender might might look like to other aspects of your life? Bible scholars aren't sure what brought the man of the tombs out of the tombs to the shore that day to meet Jesus. Verse 2 simply says that he came to meet Jesus. Now, I think there are two possible explanations. Bible scholars like to, like to do this. They'll say there's two or three, four explanations, and then they like to tell you which one's the best. I'm, I'm just going to name two from my little meager mind. One is that the man gathered up enough strength despite his terrible condition to throw himself at the feet of the only one who could help him. But that, that may be the case. I'm not saying that it is. I don't know, but that may be it. Have, haven't you been at that point in your life where everything feels, feels so heavy on you, but yet you muster up just enough. You say, if I can just get there. The other explanation is that the demons inside of him threw him at the feet of Jesus. You say, oh, that's crazy. But no, not if you look at the context here. Why would the demons do this? Because the demons even recognize the power and presence of God, and they know they are no match for him. They knew they had to leave, and they too wanted mercy. They started right off the bat, verse 10, don't send us out of the area. The bottom line is the man found himself at the feet of Jesus, and how? How did he find himself at the feet of Jesus? Because Jesus was right there. Right there in that moment. Just as all the moments of your life were written down before one of them came to be. Jesus was there in that moment. Jesus had journeyed across the lake to the place of the tombs. To see the man of the tombs and offer him peace. And the man responded. Now days before journeying himself to his own tomb... To his own death on earth, Jesus said to those who would be his disciples, he said ultimately to you and I, it's familiar, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. What's that mean? The world will offer you little things, a 
political party, a choice, a stimulus, whatever, that will bring a temporary peace. Jesus says, I don't give to you as the world gives. And then he gives this command, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then Jesus goes on to say, this is why you should never take scripture out of context. We'll read the whole thing. He said, you have heard me say, you've heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now, underline this, I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. Now there's great power in that for you when it comes to peace. I have told you this now, so that when it happens, you can You may, you will believe. Lasting peace rests in believing and trusting the word of God and living moment by moment in alignment with it. Lasting peace is yours as you live moment by moment in alignment in surrender and trust to God's word. It's accepting the reality that when Jesus Christ went to Calvary and he rose on the third day, he proved himself true to his word. There's no other person. There's no other little G God that has ever said, I will die and on the third day I will rise and done it. Jesus did. And so when Jesus says, I'm telling you this now so that when it happens and I prove it to you, that you can believe. Lasting peace is yours. Now I'm sure you've seen it on bumper stickers and church signs before. I hate church signs. That's why I got rid of ours out there before somebody put something stupid on it. But you've seen it. You've seen, if it's on a bumper sticker and a church sign, you know it's going to be dumb. Right? But you've seen the no peace, no God, no God, no peace. It's the first time I realized that you could spell no two different ways. But what they really mean is N-O God means that you have N-O peace, no peace. And, and we understand that. But then it says K-N-O-W God, and you can K-N-O-W peace. And that's cute and all, but it's not entirely accurate. There are many in this room, and there are many of you watching online that K-N-O-W God, but you don't K-N-O-W peace. You don't. It's just the reality. Just as there are those who continue to say N-O to God and live in what seems like a peaceful existence. And here's the disconnect. The disconnect, and it's always where the disconnect is. The disconnect lies between knowing God and trusting God enough to align your life with what he says. That's the difference. That's the difference. Jesus said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. But I will simply say to them plainly, I never knew you. 
I never knew you. But to those who trust him enough to align their life with him, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter my unrest. Enter my anxiety. Enter my turmoil. No. Enter my rest. Enter my peace. Down at the shoreline, listen up. Down at the shoreline, two sets of footprints meet. Can you see it? Can you see it in the sand? I'm not getting ready to read you the stupid one about footprints in the sand. (laughs) Two sets of footprints in the sand, and they meet toe to toe. One voice is screaming out of control. Another voice begins to speak. In only a moment, in only a word, the evil departs like a thundering herd. Man of the tombs, he hears this cry out loud. Underneath this thing that you've become, I see a man of flesh and blood. I give you life beyond the grave. I heal your heart. I come to save. No need for fear. Be not afraid. This man of sorrows knows your pain. I come to take away your sin and bear its marks upon my skin. When no one can touch you, still I can. For son of God, I am. My friends, only Jesus Christ can save and only Jesus Christ can bring peace. Now there's one other truth that this account brings home to us this weekend and that is the value that God places on you and me knowing peace in our lives. It may seem odd that Jesus placed these demons in a herd of pigs 2,000 pigs running off a cliff to drown to their death. Why why didn't God just curse at them and and cast them out like they do on TV and and just kill them right there? Because their time hadn't come yet. That would be against what God said is going to happen. That all happens in the end. Why didn't Jesus touch him on the head? Pray. And then pull those demons out and put them in a jar and put the lid on real tight. Why waste all this bacon? Good, good bacon. Why? Why? Because what Jesus did that day contrasts the purposes of God and the purposes of Satan for people. To Jesus, this crazed man was worth saving. To Satan, he was a soul targeted for destruction. Upon entering those pigs, the demons immediately revealed the destructive objective of Satan. The destructive objective of unrest in your life. The peril. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He did all three to those pigs. And that was his intent for this man of the tombs. But Jesus Christ crossed the sea. He crossed the divide. He came to this man to show him what God would do for him. To show him that there was no cost too great. 
that Jesus Christ comes to give life, real life, to the full. The value Jesus places on you cannot be measured by a bunch of pigs. Instead, he came. He came himself. And he laid down his life for you. That you could have peace with God now, peace with God in the end, and peace in between. Whatever it is that's brought you to this shoreline today, whether it's the unrest of your soul, whether it's recognizing that God is the only way to peace, you realize that something has brought you here today. This is the shoreline, and Jesus Christ is here. Whether it's the unrest that throws you out into the aisle and onto your knees, or whether it's the understanding of your deep, deep need that you have tried to fill with other things but can only be filled with God that brings you to his feet. For heaven's sakes, come before it's too late. Let's stand and let's sing. If you come, I'll help you take your next step. I'll even meet you halfway.